0: Brothers, if you think that the Proverbs 31 text is just a Mother's Day text for women, then you are gravely mistaken. Yes, most of the details of the description of Proverbs 31 would be directly applicable to women. But as we'll see, that this description of a woman in that there is a strong exhortation for men. So first we're going to look at how the Proverbs 31 woman was a strong woman. And then we're going to look at what her strengths are, what are her characteristics. And then I've titled today's message as the strength of a Proverbs 31 woman. And the main takeaway, and I hope the main takeaway is that our strength comes from the fear of the Lord. Our strength comes from the fear of the Lord. So who is this Proverbs 31 woman? Let's look at verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. An excellent wife who can find. As Pastor Charles read out of the NIV, it said, a wife of noble character. Uh, You may also be familiar with the term, a virtuous woman or wife. I think that's in the King James. Or capable wife. The Hebrew translated as excellent wife in the ESV is eshet chayel. And eshet or "isa" means woman or wife. Now, while chayel is translated as excellent or of noble character, in the Old Testament this word is most mostly ascribed to men and it indicates competent strength and power the bravery courage and valor of a mighty warrior so why is it that this ideal model woman is a valiant woman doesn't mean that Lemuel's mother at this in, uh, verse 1 the king Lemuel that his mother is telling her son to find the most Masculine or warrior like woman to be his wife? I believe the author's intent is to highlight the strength of the woman. In verse 17, it says, She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Or more literally, she girds her loins with strength and strengthens her arms for the task. So she goes about her life as a woman or as a wife with such bravery, courage, Strength and endurance as if she were a warrior on the battlefield. So it speaks to her intentionality and her determination. Now, the only woman in the Old Testament described as a Sheikh or a valiant woman is not. Deborah, as you would have imagined, the only female judge, or even someone like Jael, who literally drove a peg through the temple of a Canaanite commander, a very uh, uh, strong imagery. But it was Ruth. It was Ruth, who was a childless widow, who wasn't even a Hebrew, but a Moabite. And it was this, um, it's from her soon-to-be husband, Boaz, that says to his fellow townsmen that she is a Shechiel, or a violent, or a strong woman. And it's no coincidence that in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth actually comes right after the book of Proverbs, so that the readers would not miss the connection between the Proverbs 31 woman and Ruth, who exemplified those strengths. So I think the adjective strong describes the Proverbs 31 woman pretty well. So what are her characteristics? What are her strengths? How is she trustworthy? Interestingly, uh, verses 10 through 31, as Pastor Charles read, is a poem, and it is what is called an acrostic poem, which just means that every verse starts with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and there are 22 verses in this last section of the Book of Proverbs. And so fitting to our text that is an acrostic poem, I came up with this acronym using the word strong. Strong, S-T-R-O-N-G, to describe the six strengths of the Proverbs 31 woman. S for selfless, T for tireless, O for ownership, N for no fear, and G for God-fearing. We'll be going through that. S stands for selfless. A strong woman, a Proverbs 31 woman, is a selfless woman. She selflessly serves others, not only her husband and her children, her family, but also the poor and the needy. And what makes her far more precious than jewels, why the heart of her husband trusts in her, is because he lacks no gain and does him good and no harm. In verse 15, we see that the providing food for her household is motivated by, is, is what motivates her early rising. Verse 21, it says that her household is clothed in fine clothing. We see that she is also a successful business owner, and from her profits, she carefully purchases a field to which then she plants a vineyard. And she does all of that to contribute to the wealth of the family. So her focus is on the family. In verse 20, we see that she is also also compassionate towards those who are in need. And with those same hands that she serves her family, she also serves the afflicted and the destitute. Lastly, in verse 26, we see that she's not just caring for her family with the physical needs, but also their spiritual needs. So that she opens her mouth with wisdom. And so she's guiding her family with wisdom. What is evidently clear in the Pro, in the Proverbs 31 woman is that her primary concern is not for herself, but for others. What we do not see in the Proverbs 31 woman is putting her personal goals and interests before the interests and good of the family. They are not competing interests, but they are complementing interests. All her pursuits and efforts are geared towards serving the family. And even things that could be perceived as advocating for herself are actually for the good of others, particularly her husband. How so? Glad you asked. In verse 20 to 27, we see what is called a chiastic structure. And there was a lot of like really nerdy grammatical things in all of Proverbs 31. But I said, if there's one thing I'm going to point out, it was going to be this. In a chiastic structure, it just means that there's a sequence of ideas that is repeated. But then it is repeated in reverse order. So, And then in the, in the middle, there is often a standalone idea that is sandwiched between those two sequences. So what is supposed to be emphasized is what is sandwiched between the two sequences. So a simple example that I thought of, because it's Thanksgiving, or it was Thanksgiving, is the Lions always lose on Thanksgiving Day. They are such heartbreakers. Sports fandom is so stressful. Oh, how the Lions always break our hearts. Why can't they win on Thanksgiving Day? So you see the repeating ideas that is sandwiched, which means that the emphasis would be on sports fandom is so stressful. Let's go back to our text in verses 20 to 27. And this was um, Old Testament scholar and professor Bruce Waldke. And what we see is a progression of ideas, again, repeated in reverse order, and what is in the middle, what is highlighted, is verse 23. So how does verse 23 read? Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. The husband of the Proverbs 31 woman is well respected in the places of importance. And he has a good reputation, not only because how he carries himself, but also because of how his wife carries herself. He is a man that does not have domestic worries and his prosperous household builds up his reputation. Now, what's worth pointing out is that this verse, that the verses that sandwich verse 23, which be verse 22 and 24, what are they about? They're about her accomplishments and how she carries herself. She is clothed in fine clothing, and she thrives in this profitable business. But what do these things do? They make her known, her husband known, They make her husband known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And because he is known in the gates and he has the utmost trust in her abilities to manage the home, the husband is freed to engage in community leadership. So she is not empowering herself. She is empowering her husband. Now there have been many who have tried and still try to use Proverbs 31 as a proof text for self-fulfilling, self-focused empowerment for women. But Proverbs 31 clearly debunks this false notion that the Bible teaches and even encourages women to be independent career women that pursue their personal dreams and ambitions first and to put prioritizing the caring for her household to the side. And if anything, this Proverbs 31 woman is actually a case study against that notion because how highly accomplished, skillful, and a competent woman she is, and she utilizes her strengths and skills not to make it about her life pursuits and her dreams and to to see how compatible her strengths are, but to selflessly serve others, starting with her family. Sisters, Big and warm. Is your life oriented around self-fulfillment, or is your primary goal to serve your family and those in need? In all of your personal pursuits and, and whatever that they may be, are you? If you're married, are you prioritizing your husband? If you're a mother, are you prioritizing your children? Or are those pursuits competing against your role as a homemaker, house manager? Do you see yourself as someone who has represented the family well? And does all that you do reflect reflect positively to your family? Do you support and serve your husband, your family, and your community in a manner that elevates, not yourself, but your husband's reputation? And do you empower him, provide him with the time and the resources so that he is available to sit with the elders at the gate? And and, and more more appropriately for us would be to even, to, to freely be able to serve the church, our communities, Proverbs 12.4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Rottenness in his bones doesn't sound very sturdy or strong. Sisters, your family's well-being depends on your selfless caring of them. So the first strength of the Proverbs 31 woman, and this is by far the longest point, is her selflessness. It is her selflessness when we look at verse 20c, it says that she looks well to the, ho- to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness, which takes us to our next strength. T stands for tireless. A Proverbs 31 woman works tirelessly. I don't think there's really much to add to that than to say that she works really hard. She works hard at her role. As a homemaker, as a house manager, as a business owner, she is not just some trophy wife that passively enjoys the fruits of her husband. And all throughout the poem, we see in Proverbs 31 is that this woman is working with her hands. We can easily see that she's got her hands full. She's making clothes for her family, she's using the textile to, 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 to sell, to, to maintain this profitable business, she feeds them. She personally scopes out a good field. She's like a real estate agent, buys the property with her profits, then plants a vineyard to produce fruit for the good of the family. Yeah, her family's well-fed, well-clothed. And so rather than eating the bread of idleness, she eats the fruit of her active labor and diligence. So Proverbs 31 woman works tirelessly. She works hard for the good of others. R stands for ready or readiness. A Proverbs 31 woman, a strong woman is ready. She is prepared. She doesn't just do things on the fly. And this is not to say that she's inflexible or that she, you know, she's unable to be adaptable, but it goes to show her focus and determination to plan things well. And as Bruce Walkie, the scholar I pointed out earlier, he says in his commentary that. The woman's depiction as a merchant ship, as we see in verse 14, this signifies a trading that is, quote, prudently planned, diligently executed, and enterprisingly ventured, end quote. And the literal translation for the word food that we see in verse 15 is actually "prey," P-R-E-Y, which then makes sense when it says that she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. So think of a lioness who is going out to hunt while it is still dark to hunt for her prey. Right? There's strategy involved, right? I'm sure for the lion, I'm, I don't know how a lion thinks to hunt, but there's strategy, right? how she positions, where she waits to, to pounce on her prey. So while a wife or a mother is not literally required to wake up in the middle of the night to start preparing for the meals for the next day, unless you're like my mom that does that quite often, I I believe it does generally speak to the wisdom of being ready, being prepared, using her God-given intellect to strategically come up with the plan to execute the task well. And as we look forward to the new year, as a church, I think one very practical thing that we can think through and prepare and get ready is we know that we have these new Sunday morning rhythms, right? We're going to have kids that sit with us. We're going to have Sunday school, which means that we're going to have to get up a little earlier, just a little earlier. So maybe getting ready entails doing a lot of the preparation the night before, whether that is picking out outfits, snacks, diaper bags. Maybe it's ensuring that our families get a good night of rest that we can wake up in appropriate time. And certainly for those with little ones, is to have those conversations with our children to make sure they know what is expected of them when they come through the doors. And on this note of being prepared and ready, I think all of us, married, not married, kids, no kids, little kids, big kids, I think we can all be better prepared, not just physically, but also spiritually. So that when we gather, when we come here Sunday mornings, that our hearts and our heads, our hands, they're all ready to learn about God, to hear from his word, and to be prepared to give God the praise, honor, and glory that he is due during our gatherings. So Proverbs 31, woman is ready. She's prepared. Oh. O stands for ownership. S stands for selfless, D stands for tireless, R stands for ready, and O stands for ownership. What do I mean by that? Proverbs 31 takes ownership. Um, I think this is a strength that one can easily miss in the midst of all the other strengths that are more often highlighted. In verse 13 it says that she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Says she works with willing hands. The NRV reads eagerly. You also see with delight in some other translations. So the Proverbs 31 woman takes ownership of her responsibilities as a homemaker with delight. With willing and eager hands. Now remember, this is not a woman who had a shortage of, of help or resources. She was a wealthy woman, property, she had maidens, and we already saw how skilled and talented she was. Yet, she willingly and eagerly takes upon the role of caring for her family, and she delights in the day-to-day mundane work to serve them. Now, I have a question for everyone, This is not just for the women. Why is it that managing one's household the prioritizing and the caring of the husband and one's children, why is that considered a sacrifice? It, it seems to be considered a, a downgrade. It's taking steps back. And at the very best, and I think even this is very rare, at least from, from what I've heard and seen, is that it's, at, at the very best, it's, it's horizontal movement, where there's just the acceptance of change of occupation. At best. But I've personally not heard or, or seen the ownership in which this role is an upgrade. It's taking a step forward. It's a promotion. It's an advancement in one's personal development and growth. I don't think I've heard that. Now I hope what I'm about to say, and maybe it will, it does not offend you, men and women. But I believe when a woman makes the decision to stop working full time outside the home or pursuing a, a, a degree or a business venture, whatever it may be, and she does that so that she can stay home and own her responsibility as a homemaker, when she makes the decision, I do not believe that is a sacrifice, and I don't. I think we should stop calling it. A sacrifice. Now, certainly, according to the world, and probably many of your peers, maybe some of you here, such a decision is a massive sacrifice, maybe even an unwise one. But if we truly believe that a woman's role as a homemaker, as a house manager, the prioritizing of her household has just as much value as any other job that a man works to provide for his family, why would we call it a sacrifice? It's willingly giving up something or making a decision to do so, but a sacrifice? It would be considered a sacrifice if it was actually costing you something, but if it's something that we are expected to do, is it a sacrifice? And we'll see later someone who really did sacrifice. Managing one's household is clearly no easy task or role. And so it should be considered a privilege and a joy, a delight to do what God determines as meaningful and purposeful work. And a godly man should value such a woman as being far more precious than jewels. And going back to that first strength of being selfless, sisters, what, what gives you the drive and motivation to pursue that dream or career? Whatever it is that you're pursuing, does it hinder you from prioritizing your role as a homemaker and prioritizing caring for your family and those who are in need? When you do an assessment of, let's say, your finances, Is it necessary for you to continue in your work or in your pursuit? And if so, what are those reasons? I think it's a fair question to ask. And for those of you who have made and did make the decision to let go of those personal pursuits, those careers, those degrees, do you have any regrets for not continuing? Do you wrestle with contentment Mothers here, do you you envy those who are, say, single or those without children because of the flexibility and the freedom they seem to enjoy? What about your husband? Does it seem unfair that he gets to go out and work, be out of the house without the kids? And so do you begrudgingly take on your tasks at home? Or do you work with willing and eager hands, with delight, and consider your role as truly a gift and a privilege, sisters. May we, may you, may you take ownership and delight in the glorious work that God calls a Proverbs thirty-one woman to do. So, a Proverbs thirty-one woman, a strong woman, takes ownership. N. N stands for no fear. A Proverbs 31 woman, a strong woman does not have fear. Verse 21 reads, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. Verse 25 says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She is not fazed by the anticipated dangers and afflictions. She's not just not afraid. She laughs at them. She's not anxious. Going back to verse 17, it says that she dresses herself with strength. In verse 25, her, her clothing are strength and dignity. Again, Bruce Walkey he writes, quote, Strength denotes effective and enduring energy, while majesty, this is for dignity, majesty signifies the magnificence that sets her apart from and above the peers. The praise of the woman can hardly be hired. It attributes to her advantages of both youth and old age. Like a conqueror who derides his enemy, and so she laughs at her metaphorical enemy. The coming day, the indefinite future, with all its possible alarming prospects or circumstances. Unquote. And it is this strength, this strength, that enables her to make the clothing or to do whatever task that is ahead of her, and it enables her to overcome adversity. I think we could also add that it is this strength that silences the cultural noise, and it enables us to ignore the judgment from the world that says it's a waste to stay home and care for your family when you have all the talent, all the degrees, all the skills to change the world, to make a greater impact over a greater number of people, to serve more who are in need, Outside the home. Sisters, maybe you already have been, but if you haven't, you will. You will be pitied for the quote unquote sacrifice you were forced to make. You will be pressured to and tempted to pursue a career or a degree or a business venture as a means to feel validated, to be of worth rather than as a means to selflessly serve others. You may even be ridiculed for having such outdated, traditional, quote-unquote, conservative convictions of womanhood. But have no fear. Have no fear. God allowed for you to have all your life experiences, all the training, all the education, all the work experience, And he intends for you to use all of that to serve those who are under your immediate care. And if you're single, that will be at your workplace. If you're married, would be also your husband. And if you have children, it would also be your children. And so he calls you to take on that role with confidence, with courage, no fear. Proverbs 31, woman, a strong woman has no fear. So then the natural follow-up question is this. Where does this woman get her strength? What is the source of her strength? How does she have no fear and anxiety in this day and age that we live in? Now, before we come to a close with the acronym, the letter G, I'm going to just briefly, just briefly address the brothers, which would include myself. Brothers. We must lead so that our woman can succeed. We must lead so that our woman can succeed. Let's look at verse 28 and 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. This is how he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpassed them all. Now, I don't know what's been going through your mind thus far for the men. Maybe you're single and you've thought to yourself, yeah, that's the woman I want to marry. Uh, maybe you're married and you're you're grateful for your wife. Also, maybe you're married and you have this desire for your wife to look more like the Proverbs thirty-one woman, or or wife, or mother. And and it's and it's so tempting to just read this text as a checklist for women, and forget everything that we learned about being a godly man, a godly husband, and a godly father up to chapter thirty. We forget that even in the beginning, uh, Proverbs thirty-one was uh, a mother's teaching to not her daughter, but her son. And But this Proverbs 31 woman that we see in our text, we can assume that there is a Proverbs 31 man who sets up the infrastructure and the culture in the home for the woman to succeed. It is this husband who nurtures his wife, who then is so secure, so confident that she can manage her household well. And while, yes, it is the wife who ensures that her husband will have no lack of gain and that her, her household will be clothed and fed well, according to 1 Timothy 3, it is also the husband's responsibility to what? Manage his household well. What about child rearing? Raising up the kids. Brothers, how are we modeling the rising up that we see in verse 28? How would the kids know to rise up out of respect for their mother and call her blessed to be grateful for her when it's not taught or modeled by their father, the so-called leader of the household, when they don't see him show her respect or praise her as the husband does in verse 29? You know, Mother's Day celebrations shouldn't be a surprise shouldn't feel so special, not because we don't appreciate our mothers and the women, but because how they are recognized, celebrated regularly. The pronouncing the mother or the wife as blessed, as we read in verse 28, it signifies that the children and the husband, they esteem her, they respect her, and declare her as one who is living a life optimally as God designed and intended and so she is showered by the, the, the benefits of, um, for living out a, a, a godly, um, wise life. So how can our wives thrive in these roles if they are not supported? How can they be excellent wives when their husbands are not excellent? How can we expect for our women to be trustworthy when we ourselves are not trustworthy? Do you desire more from your wife? Do you desire more for her to be a better mother? Are you disappointed and, and saddened to see that your wife does not mirror the Proverbs thirty-one wife? Even single brothers, is it is it you know is it, is it disappointing to the oh where are all the Proverbs thirty-one women? Is it hard to find much, if anything, to recognize or praise? If that's the case, rather than complaining about our wives' shortcomings, may we be real godly men and lead by taking ownership of our poor leadership, our lack of initiative, our lack of bravery, courage, and strength, and really it boils down to our lack of godly love for her and that we would take ownership of our responsibility to cultivate, to nurture our wives so that they can succeed in caring for our households. So that her dedication to caring for the family would make you known in the gates. So that you can serve selflessly, to be a community leader. Brothers, the thriving of the woman in our homes, in our church. And their God-given roles and responsibilities depends on our leadership and our initiative. Going back to um, Ruth, the Proverbs 31 woman, we see that Boaz is first described as ha'il, that strong, valiant, or worthy man. And his name means, to him is strength. So men, for our women to be strong, we must be strong. We must lead so they can succeed. Now, turning our last corner, we are now at the last letter of our acronym in STRONG, S-T-R-O-N-G. G G stands for God-fearing. And this last characteristic or strength of the Proverbs 31 woman is the foundation for all her other strength. Verse 30 says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The Proverbs 31 woman recognizes that outer beauty is fleeting. Charm is deceitful in the sense that it makes empty promises that it cannot keep. And what she values is not the outer beauty, but the inner spiritual beauty that does not deceive. And she, prays, she is praised for her fear of the Lord. A strong woman, a Proverbs 31 woman, is a God-fearing woman. A God-fearing wife is an excellent wife, a wife with noble character, a virtuous and capable woman. And it is the fear of the Lord that empowers her to not live for herself, but to selflessly live for others. It is this fear of the Lord that gives her the strength to tirelessly work and to be ready to be prepared. It is this fear of the Lord that gives her the willingness to sweetly, delightfully take the ownership of in her role as a homemaker. And while she is a woman who has no fear or anxiety caused by life circumstances, it is her fear in the Lord, who she knows can destroy both soul and body and hell. It is that fear that activates, that reinforces that no-fear, mentality, or spirit. She trusts in the promises of God who promises her. In Isaiah 41, that he will be with her, that he will strengthen her, he will help her, he will uphold her with his righteous hand. And she's not afraid or anxious because of her, of her knowledge of God, because of the wisdom that she internalizes. She knows that he is the ultimate provider that will feed his people. He is the mighty fortress that protects his people from all evil. And because our God is a God that will not forsake her, she has the confidence to obey the command, not the option, to not fear. And really what I want us all, and yes, sisters, is, is for us to focus on this point, is that Whatever that you're doing right now, whatever that your work situation is, whatever that your home situation is, is that we would find our strength in the fear of the Lord. That it is our God-fearing that's going to make us strong. A Proverbs 31 woman is a selfless woman, S, selfless woman, who works T, tirelessly, for the well-being of others. And she takes O, ownership, and willingly takes on her responsibilities to manage her household, and she has N, no fear over the dangers and uncertainties of life. And because she is a G, and yes, she is a G, God-fearing woman, and her strength is in the fear of the Lord. Her strength is in the fear of the Lord. And yes, as we close, we started our sermon series by seeing how the fear of the Lord is the beginning or the foundation of knowledge and wisdom. And it is this fear of the Lord that guides us, that gives us the wisdom to live godly lives according to God's word. But it is also this selfless, tirelessly working, hardworking, always ready and prepared, taking delightful ownership, fearful lives that exemplifies the fear of the Lord. And that's what we see in the Proverbs 31. Woman. Now, sisters... Is it safe to assume that imitating and modeling after this Proverbs 31 woman is a little difficult? Just A little bit? And even in brothers, let's be honest, it's, isn't it just a little challenging to lead our families so that they could succeed and that our wives would be thriving in their God-given roles? Isn't it just a little challenging? We often find ourselves being discouraged by the poor results. You see how we don't match up with the Proverbs 31 woman, and even for the man, the Proverbs 31 man. And this standard seems impossible to measure up to. But praise be to God that what gives you, what gives us worth and value is not how perfectly we, or you, Mirror the Proverbs 31 woman. And that your ultimate strength and confidence is not something that you can muster up within. Proverbs 14, 26 says that the fear of the Lord, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. And his children will have a refuge. And our hope is in the steadfast love of God. Our hope is in the steadfast love of God who sent his son, who lived that perfect, selfless, hardworking life that we couldn't live, and he willingly took ownership of our sins. Not his sins, our sins. Because he was sinless. And he was the real sacrifice. He made the sacrifice of putting down his life to die the death that we deserve, so that we might become the righteousness of God. And to those of us who do have the fear of the Lord, those of us who have repented of our sins and believe that Jesus rose from the dead, it is this Jesus who perfectly exemplified the fear of the Lord that says, do not fear, only believe. And yes, for those, that means we get to put on or we are clothed in Christ. And we can walk and live in confidence and strength and power because within us resides the perfect helper, guide, the Holy Spirit, who guides us to the truth through the living word of God. He strengthens us, He empowers us to use our God-given gifts so that the name of Jesus would be known in every city gate and that it would bring glory, honor, and praise only to his name. We'll be seeing Jesus strong and kind and says that he is good and faithful. He keeps us day and night. We can always run to Jesus, who is a strong and kind Savior. So sisters and brothers, may our strength be rooted in the fear of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, you are worthy to be praised. Lord, you are a strong and kind Savior. We are so undeserving to be here. To be uh, amongst other brothers and sisters, to be gathering here at the post office to, to hear from you, to sing praises unto you, to even pray to you as we are doing right now. We are so unworthy. But we thank you for the blood of Christ. We thank you that we are clothed in Christ. We thank you that while we strive to better ourselves, as you strive to, to grow in our respective roles, the success is not what determines our worth, our value. Our worth is in being adopted children of yours that are loved sweetly, The love of the Father. God, I pray that this message, that this text speaks to us all, every single one of us here, that we would not read Proverbs 31 or that we didn't listen to whatever that I said uh, as as a a vehicle to point the finger, but Lord, that you would we will be able to lift up the mirror and to see how imperfect, how broken, how weak we are without you, how much we need you. So Lord, as we respond in song, I pray that you continue to speak to us and that we would sing praise unto you, that we would glorify you, that bring glory and honor and praise to your name and your name alone. We thank you for being a good, strong, and kind. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.